It's the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, March 24th. We begin with a conversation with Ward 13 Councillor Diane Colley-Urquhart on the topic of Calgary's guidebook for great communities. Councillor Colley-Urquhart explains her frustration with how some of her colleagues at City Hall have handled discussions surrounding the proposal. Next, we look at a new strategy to improve access to mental health and addiction resources to Calgarians, which has been approved by City Council. We speak with Committee Chair Karen Gosby on the changes and the impact they will have on those suffering. Then we continue our 770 CHQR Better Homes series. Today we take things outside and get some advice from a pro on how to bring your old deck back to life or protect your new one by using the right stain, paint, or sealant. And finally, the rise in the number of virtual meetings over the past year has brought a rise in the number of men using makeup and skincare products. We take a look at the growing popularity of manscaping with beauty expert Karen Malcolm pye 819 and City Council has been debating this week the guidebook for great communities. And it's certainly a contentious issue, most definitely. And Diane Collier-Cart joins us right now, Councillor for Ward 13. And uh, Diane, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Well, good morning. Thank you for being here. You put out a, um, a, a statement yesterday, I guess. And, and can you tell us about, you know, sort of what, what, what was the point of, of, of putting these words out, what it was you wanted to get across in, as you and your fellow councillors continue to debate this? Well, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, so we are heading into the third day of a public hearing today, and it's called the Guidebook. And uh, this is a uh, statutory policy document uh, that really is focused on uh, increasing uh, density, uh, not only in the inner city, uh, but uh, in established communities and so on and so forth. So it's a lengthy document. Uh, I believe it's over 150 pages long. And, uh, and so um, I thought it was very, very important uh, because of uh, the nature of this. Uh, and to explain to the listeners, when there's a public hearing, um, administration presents their their report, and then you can ask a few questions of clarification, uh, and then it opens to a public hearing. And people that are in favor of the, whatever it is, this report in in this case, or or if they're opposed to it, um, can speak. And so um, the threshold under the Municipal Government Act and our Code of Conduct states that we have to be open-minded. We can't have already taken a position on this um, uh, before it comes to a public hearing. So are you open to persuasion or aren't you? And so that was the question that I wanted my colleagues to answer uh, before we opened the public hearing yesterday. Okay, so it sounds to me that you want, you know, the accountability and the transparency and it just seems to me that, you know, the, you mentioned it's, a, it's kind of a complex guidebook, if you will, um, that a lot of Calgarians have questions about it. And so I think we all want to go in with open minds. Is, is that what you're telling people? Is that you think that might not be the case from everybody on board? Well, certainly in the, uh, well, first of all, when it went to the committee, uh, and, and even some of our citizens said this uh, yesterday and on Monday, that when we went to the committee, we felt that we were being cross-examined 
uh, by some members of that committee, uh, who, whose, whose opinion was pretty obvious. Uh, and then, uh, and then some of them felt, well, just because I was stating the position that I held, I was told that, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, that's misinformation. Um, yeah, you don't have all the facts. You're making up your own facts, which is really, really, in my view, crossing the line when it comes to hearing from the public. The other thing that's really, um, that's really contributed to this whole notion uh, of you being very careful if you know something is coming to a public hearing and you're an elected official, um, be really careful about all the different social media platforms and getting into arguments with people on, on you know, in LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, in print media, uh, and, uh, and other, and other um, platforms, especially in this day and age, right? Uh, so, so some of my colleagues responded. Uh, not all of them did. And, um, and so uh, it's something I believe that we need to tighten up. Uh, it's, it's a bit ambiguous. You can, you can have a strongly held opinion, say, on this guidebook. Uh, but then you say, yeah, but I'm open to persuasion. Mm. Yeah, really. Are you really? So that was the the uh, spirit of uh, what I was trying to clarify. So I, I have to ask you, Diane, was the statement then directed at any specific councillor or councillors? Uh, well, uh, I think um, I think the people can figure that out on themselves <laughs> for themselves. Uh, uh, they just need to look at some of the statements that have been made. Uh, but uh, you know, with the ones that did speak. Um, I'll take them at their word. I'll see if there's been any variation uh, in what has happened when the recommendations are voted on and, and how they how they make their final debate on these matters. Uh, but um, it was really putting people sort of on notice that uh, you can have your own personal opinions, but when you're an elected official, many times you have to leave your personal opinions at the door uh, because you're representing a lot of people. And you have to sort of sort through all that Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And hopefully today will be the end of the day on this item for sure. Well, I guess we will see at end of day. Thank you for your thoughts and sharing them with us, uh, Councillor Urquhart. You're welcome. That is Diane Colley-Urquhart. Of course, her thoughts on the guidebook, which continues today. She is Ward 13 Councillor. 708 Calgary City Council endorsing $14 million for the mental health and addiction strategy for our city to make sure that people can get the help that they need when and when and where they need it. Uh, Co-chair Karen Gosby joins us now to talk about the strategy. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, We've talked to the mayor about this before. I know he was extremely passionate about this strategy. Tell us a little bit about it and, and what we can expect moving forward. Well, yeah, I can understand why he was passionate and thankfully he got behind it because what it means is that people are going to, uh, it's going to be easier and faster for for people to find the help they need when they find themselves in a mental health uh, crisis. So Karen, was this a case that we we had the pieces in place, but it was just uh, tough to navigate the system, particularly when it's something as timely as mental health or addiction? Um, yeah, it, what we had to do, like originally when he said that he wanted to mitigate or he wanted to make the system better, what the mayor and, and we were tasked to basically figure out what the system is and uh, think of 
that trying to identify where the gaps and the duplications were and just figure out why there was no continu- continuum of care and then come up with a strategy and action plan. There hasn't been anything like this that's ever been done from the municipal viewpoint. Uh, typically, people think of this to be under the provincial um, health, under, under the provincial jurisdiction. But the municipal, um, it, what it, we were aiming to do was try and elevate the community services to be able to help people when they found themselves in a mental health crisis. So we've sort of plugged the gaps then. How does this plan deliver a more seamless system for Calgarians now? So um, we identified or plugged the gaps, as you said, uh, we thought of it as having the person in the center that needed the help and then to consistently create hope. And it, it basically narrowed down to three buckets of being well, getting help, and staying safe. And so the being well part, um, you know, just identifying that people are usually in their home, school, work, or in the community. So to intersect, like get them where they are all the time and elevate their resources around there. So if they're having a crisis at school, to be able to know what the community resources are that the school can access. And so it's not just left entirely up to the school and to the teachers or, you know, where someone at home, when they find themselves isolated and they don't have anyone, they can, um, you know, figure out their community resources or just just have people act in a more neighborly manner day to day. Getting help is that that's the common like where, when and how. And then, of course, being safe to just make community safe, people safe and feel supported. Let's talk about, you know, the council stamping it. $14 million, got the money to back it. Uh, how soon till we can see the effects of this and see the changes uh, that have been requested and required? Yeah, and that was great that uh, we got full support from council, but it's already in in process. The wheels are in motion. We uh, we we had money, seed money to play with. We were able to get a, an investment table together where people um, leveraged million a million dollars from the city to one point two seven five with foundations and funders, and we had this change can't wait where we've already had um, seed money to be able to test pilot projects. Uh, an example of that would be um, the, the ambassador program that, uh, you know, just giving security officers uh, basic one-on-one knowledge on how to handle crisis situations that they regularly have to deal with or connect YYC. So, you know, usually when you have an appointment that's six months away, connect them to something sooner um, you know, that's available within a week or two. Mm-hmm. Karen, I know this strategy is the first of its kind in Canada. So if someone listening today is, you know, feeling like they need some help, how do we reach out now moving forward? Well, I think, you know, basically, if someone feels like they're in a crisis situation, you know, you have to turn to the crisis lines, whatever that may be. 211 is the most common one we think of. But, um, you know, what... What the strategy is all about is creating hope and strengthening support for people, families, and communities. And we have to just begin to recognize that it affects all of us. And the goal here is to improve the quality of life for individuals. But basically, it is to just start to nudge this out um, into, you know, more common conversations so people don't feel like they have to hide behind closed doors and then just become more readily... um, aware of 
of where the help is and to just start talking more about it so there's not so much shame associated Mm -hmm. with it. Karen, it's interesting because, you know, Sue mentioned that this is a first in Canada for a city. I'm wondering, as a, a committee co-chair, can you discuss, you, you mentioned earlier, putting the patient in the middle of the circle and then fanning out and looking at the different pieces. Uh, tell us about the process of how long it took, because there was no real template to, to make this better, was there? No. No, it's, you know, and it is something we, as Calgarians, really have to be proud about because it, it hasn't been looked at from the city a city management um, uh, situation, but yeah, there was there was no strategy ever, and so there was nothing to refer to. And even just coming up with a mental health and addiction strategy seems so nebulous because it's usually at a specific population, whether it's homeless or domestic violence or or whatever you can sort of insert there of a vulnerable population in need. And so it's you know just being able to kind of. Um, identify that, you know, uh, there's a broad range of people that will be having these crises and uh, to just, you know, have that idea of hope at the end of it and be able to coordinate and cross collaborate and get a bunch of organizations together and create a culture of change. Well, you've done great work. You and your team were grateful, I think, as a community that this has gone forward. So thank you so much for your time this morning. Yeah. And thank you for um, having me on here and just getting that word out. Appreciate it very much. That's Karen Gosby, who's the co-chair of the City Council Committee on Mental Health. What's really interesting to me when it comes to this is, you know, she mentioned the different reaches of the schools, uh, um, domestic violence as well, Mm -hmm. and addictions, and another whole piece, and we've heard a lot about opioid uh, overdoses uh, during the pandemic going through the roof. What, What I always think back to is the fact that mental health issues, issues of crises, uh, don't necessarily happen from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. So true. So very early on a Saturday morning, late on a Friday night into the weekend, whatever whatever it might be, when you just don't even know where to turn. Mm-hmm. Or when you do turn and you get the voicemail hearing about these hours, or, you know, you just you can't get through. Uh, there is the issue when you need it most. And so to have something like this in our city, to have this, you know, being streamlined, and I'd like to think, it sounds to me like very much like a conduit to get things done. And $14 million, it gives you an idea just how complex this is. Truly. And the fact that we're the first in Canada to have a strategy like this is super impressive. So great work. Uh, You can get more information, more help at communityconnectyyc.ca. And of course, if you are in crisis, you need someone quickly, you can call 211. 211. And one of those numbers that we've heard so much during the pandemic, there's a 11 for everything. Pretty much. But it's 211. 211 in this case. 7.49, 7.49, Mornings with Sue and Andy. We are continuing our Better Homes series, focusing on ways to upgrade or update your home. Listen every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday right here at 7.49 as we talk about ways to make your home the best it can be. Today, we're taking things outside. Whether a new deck is on your to-do list or you want to bring your old deck back to life, you'll want to consider your deck treatment be it a stain or a paint or even a sealant. With some advice, we're joined by a guy who knows what he's talking about, Mitch Weil, president of The Cedar Shop. Good morning to you, Mitch. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. Thank you for taking the time. Let's uh, let's uh, get into it. Where do we start? Does the type of what I have on my deck dictate the uh, type of treatment I choose? Yes, if, you're, uh, if you have treated wood, you know, especially if you're building a new deck, you want to make sure you have a, a good drying period on it. And if you're using a water-repellent lumber like a cedar, you want to let it sit for a year and before you decide to stain it and resurface it. 
What, what about, Mitch, if there are, you know, I'm starting to see, I've lived in my house for, I don't know, 10, 11 years now, and I'm starting to see a few rotted boards. Can I just kind of do whatever I'm doing over top of those, or do I need to pull that, that stuff out and replace? If you have rotted boards, I would uh, recommend that you replace them. But if you just have mildew on the surfaces, basically you should just spray it with a good clean water and then use a uh, uh, TSP, trisodium phosphate. Or if you don't want to use that, you can use bleach and water and just spray it on and use a stiff brush to scrub it. And then uh, you let it uh, dry and power wash it again and let it dry for about 48 hours. And then you can restain it. Okay. Mitch, back in previous lives, I worked at Beaver Lumber in the paint department, paint yep. and stain. And I know that a lot of us, we, we, we want to enjoy our decks. We don't want to be working on them. So we yep. want it to last. And I remember way back then, and I'm talking about the late 80s, early 90s, we were always told, don't recommend anything solid because with maybe using the snow shovel, it might come up. Has the technology caught up? Can I put a solid stain on a horizontal surface? Stains that give you like kind of the solid painted look, but you never want to really seal the wood in the sense of uh, allowing moisture to get into the wood and not be able to uh, wick out or evaporate out. Because wood and uh, and all those products, once they're sealed and they get soaked and they get mildew and they get interior rot. Uh, my suggestion is if whatever product you want to use, like on, if you go to, to our website and link with our products, they have advice zones and things like that on how to use their product properly and how to prepare the deck. Are there some drawbacks? And you're talking about these different products and different composites and that sort of thing. I mean, I guess there's drawbacks for, for each. But in your estimation, what do you think is the best to make a deck out of these days? Would you go natural wood? I would go cedar personally, uh, but I mean, we are the cedar shop. So, I mean, you know, it goes with our name, but we also sell composite and we sell uh, uh, treated. But, you know, if you don't want no maintenance and all you want to do is just have to wash your deck, composite is a really, uh, a, a real way to go. But there are some drawbacks. Sometimes they, uh, it gets very hot on a composite deck. Um, whereas a cedar deck or a, or a treated deck tends to be a little bit cooler. And uh, if you want that natural look, and it depends on your backyard too. I mean, some people want the natural look with pergolas and things to give you the, the environmental feel. Other people want the more contemporary look with a, uh, you know, a composite deck and, and grays and different colors or blacks or whites or whatever. So it's, it's your own personal taste. But either one is, uh, is a good product. Just before we let you go, we want to get the project done. We want to enjoy our outdoor space. Is there a best time of the year to treat our deck? Uh, you want to wait until you can get some uh, warmth on the deck so that it dries out properly. Uh, temperature range, you know, for putting these stains on, you should be above 10 degrees and, and under 35. And you should have 8 to 10 hours to let that stain uh, kind of uh, set up and, and finish uh, curing a bit. And after that, then you can walk on it. Well, decks, furniture and yard accessories, shed packages, and then I saw saunas on your website. So uh, I'm thinking that might be an addition to my deck I need to look at this year. Thanks so much for your time this morning, Mitch. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. That is Mitch Weil, president of the Cedar Shop, and you can go online at cedarshop.com. And 770 CHQR's Better Home Series, presented by Furnace Family, Calgary's furnace replacement specialist with 24-7 emergency service. Visit furnacefamily.com and also sponsored by Bluegrass Garden Centre. So many Zoom calls. Everybody's on them for work. And that has resulted in a bit of an uptick in men 
perhaps wearing makeup or just overall being a little more concerned about their looks. Here in our studio, we've got Andy without makeup now. He's changed, but <laughs> that's not the case for a lot of a lot of guys in particular. So beauty specialist Karen Malcolm Pye joins us this morning to talk about the increased interest and the options available for guys today. Morning, Karen. Good morning, you two. How is everything in your world? Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Are you are you hearing or, or seeing that a lot in your world? I mean, that's the, the makeup is is sort of you know where you where you live. Are you are you seeing guys really looking for stuff that and products they can use? You know what's really interesting is I actually have seen an upswing, and it's not so much just makeup; it's grooming in general. Um, you know, I am working on set doing commercials and photo shoots, and more often than not, men are actually keeping their makeup on after they leave set because they're saying to me, "You know what? I'm on Zoom calls all day, and I think I look a little bit better." So what's happening is men are starting to be a little bit more aware of what they look like. So it's not necessarily about wearing a full face of makeup as it is perhaps using, say, a blot paper to take away oil if you're excessively shiny. And then the other side of it has been facial hair grooming. I think a lot more men have been growing beards mm-hmm. over COVID. And so some of them got a little straggly. And so when they start seeing themselves on Zoom, uh, they're basically thinking, oh, my gosh, okay, how do I get this to look a little bit more professional, a little better? And that just comes from grooming. So definitely a huge upswing in men actually thinking about what they look like and actually, you know, doing something about it as well. Karen, it's interesting. Maybe before the makeup, uh, uh, they're maybe taking better care of their skin. Is it just me or does it seem like there's many, many more products than there were even a a few short years ago of skincare products specifically for men? Andy, you are so right. There are so many more products on the market for men. And basically what this is, is this is focusing on skin care and, you know, perhaps what we would call beauty needs for men because men's skin is different. You know, you guys have facial hair, so you have to deal with ingrowns and perhaps sensitivity from shaving. So what we're seeing is a lot more focus on men in skincare and it's actually a billion dollar industry if you can believe it wow Uh, well i guess it makes sense you know there's so many different options for you out there so uh, suggestions for gentlemen who might be listening and maybe they are the ones that are on a lot of zoom calls for work you mentioned the uh, sort of blotting paper are the other things that just generic ideas for guys to think about Absolutely. You know, blot paper is definitely the most approachable for all men. Of course, if it's something that you're wanting to take away, a bit of redness, some men are looking for, you know, a pressed powder that's going to just cut the shine and give a little bit of coverage. And then think about using your pomades and your hair products, even in your beard. That can tame any of those flyaways on your beard, goatees, and of course, on your hair. Wow, there's so many things. Now my weekend is cut out for me. I got to go shopping and stock up that makeup kit because you know well, I have one. So, Andy, I know you have one, but I'm always happy to help you buy new sponges and new makeup anytime. <laughs> I miss seeing you guys on set. So just think, the next time I get my hands on you, maybe we'll try something a little more fun, Andy. Hopefully I love sooner, it. sooner rather than later. I was going to look at a new color and to make my lips pop as well. Thanks so much, Karen. <laughs> Have a great day, guys. Thanks for having me. You too. That is beauty specialist Karen Malcolm Pye. You can find out more about her at karenmalcolm.ca.